0: Last week we began a series, What Does It Mean to Be a Christian? This is a difficult question for a lot of people to answer. It kind of draws them up short a little bit. What does it mean to be a Christian? And we covered last week one of the fundamental things, obviously, is that you are a follower of Christ, that you know Him as Lord and Savior. And closely connected with that, as a matter of fact, you really can't separate it from being a Christian, is the gospel. So we took a look at the gospel message. And from our reading last week from first Corinthians, Paul concisely lays out the gospel. He said that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then the 12. So in a very short order, a concise order, Paul has given the gospel. And there's much depth and breadth to it. And we could actually never exhaust looking at the gospel because it is so rich and so full. To be a Christian is a follower of Christ. To be a Christian is to know the gospel. This next part we're going to get into today is born again. Now, For those of you in a Lutheran church, you might be thinking, have we just changed denominations? Have we just started to be a Southern Baptist or something like that? Because, right, born again is rarely talked about within the Lutheran church. It was made, it was popularized by Billy Graham, right? Born again, even wrote a book, How to Be Born Again. So it became very popular because of Billy Graham and the Southern Baptist, yet it is fundamentally a biblical mandate. This is not just a Lutheran, a Baptist, or any other. This is from Christ himself. As a matter of fact, it is so important that Jesus said, being born again is not an option for Christians. If you are a Christian, you are born again. And if you say that I am not born again, you are not a Christian. That's how important this piece is. Jesus said you must be born again. Now there is much depth and breadth into this topic and into the scriptures that we have. So today is going to be part one. And believe it or not, we're going to do part two next week on what does it mean to be born born again. Today, we're going to talk about the necessity of being born again and the cause of being born again. Two things, the necessity and cause. We're going to first start with Nicodemus. Let's go to our text here. John chapter three, starting with verse one. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs, you do, unless God is with him. So who's, who's Nicodemus here? Nicodemus is a Pharisee. There were actually two ruling classes within Israel at that time. There were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the priests. They were the aristocrats. They were the elite of the elite. The Pharisees were not the priests. They were not the aristocrats. They would have been much more like the... a a deacon, an elder, or or a, a very trained layman within the church. And they knew Scripture really well. And they really adhered to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law, and the prophets, along with all of the oral traditions from the rabbis. So they were very religious. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee. But it also says that he is a ruler of the Jews. And later on, Jesus even says that he's a teacher of the law. So what does it mean to be a ruler of the Jews? Well, there was Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin was composed of 70 men, of Pharisees and Sadducees and some scribes who were the rulers. So we know that Nicodemus was way up there. We know his status within Israel. This would have been like the dean of a prestigious seminary coming to see a wandering rabbi. That's who Nicodemus is. And interestingly enough, he comes by night, right? Now, there's a lot of speculation. Well, why did he come by night and people go back and forth? I think the simple reading, the simple understanding is that He was afraid to be seen in the light of day with Jesus, who, according to the Pharisees and many others, was a heretical teacher. So he comes under the cover of night. Now, interestingly, we also find Nicodemus at the very end of the gospel, where he comes during the day to take the body and to anoint it with myrrh and and aloe. So it's an interesting journey, this, this fellow named Nicodemus. He starts under the cover of night, which could also be, you could almost say, under the cover of sin. And then he comes in the daylight, knowing who Christ is. And he comes up to Jesus, and he starts off this way, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So he's, he's kind of talking teacher to teacher a little bit. And he's starting to, uh, to have a theological conversation, as it were, to find out a little bit more about who Jesus is. But Jesus does not go for a, just an intellectual conversation. He gets to the very heart of the matter, what is needed for Nicodemus, what is needed for you and me. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we're going to move through this text a little carefully here because there's a lot in here. And specifically, we're going to take a look at verses 3 and 5 because what Jesus does, he basically repeats the same thing twice. So if he's repeating something twice, in a very short order, we should really pay attention to this. So he starts off with the word truly, truly. Now, we've covered this before. Do you know what the word is, truly, truly, in the Greek? We've, we say it, what? Verily, verily, that's the King James. We say it at the end of all of our prayers. Amen. amen. By the way, amen, amen, fine. Either way, you want to say it, fine. Amin is more the Greek translation, but we're going to stick with either amen or amen. But it says amen amen. So he says, truly, truly, which means this is most certainly true. This is important. You can trust what I'm saying. It is of great importance. And that he says, truly, truly, that double truly really highlights this. And Nicodemus would have known this because rabbis, when they really wanted to say, look, you got to listen to this, would repeat it. Truly, truly. So that's the first thing. He says it twice. In, in both, he repeats it. And then he also says, I say to you. Now, this is really different because Jesus is now saying something under his own authority, not the authority of the rabbis, which the Pharisees would have followed, but his own authority. It's just like on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. This is the same authority in which he gave the great commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I say to you. So we should really pay attention to this. And then he says this, unless one is born again, Or unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is pointing out here that Nicodemus needs to listen to and that you and I really need to hear is that this is of vital importance. We can't just pass this over. Have you ever seen uh, people who are hunting for gold and they've got the metal detectors out there and they're going like this and it goes. And then when it gets to something metal or gold, it goes, you know, it makes this really loud noise and they stop because they know something's there. When you get to this text. It should be like that. It should stop you and say, there is something precious here. There's something more precious than gold found in this text, and we need to pay attention to it. It is this, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. What Jesus is doing here, he's giving a statement of necessity. He says, unless this happens, you can't see, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Necessity, things that are, are vital, that without which you can't do it. I mean, there are things that are necessary for our existence, right? We need air. We run out of air pretty fast, right? We don't live. We don't have water. We don't survive very long without water. And we certainly don't survive very long without food. These are things of necessity, right? Jesus saying in the spiritual realm being born again is of utmost necessity. And notice what he does not say. He does not say that to see the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of God, you must be a Lutheran. I know that's a shock. <laughs> I know that's a shock. He also doesn't say you should be a Baptist or Pentecostal. He does not say that you must be a Pharisee or Sadducee. He does not say that you must be educated and have a certain intellect. He does not say that you have to perfectly keep the law and be perfectly moral and upright. Nor does he say you have to be rich or poor or naked or ashamed. What Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus is that to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Now, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. He says, you must be born again. So it's the you. But later on, he says, you must be born again. And it's in the plural. So if we're in Texas, my understanding, it would be all y'all. Could I be a Texas Southern Baptist for a moment? All y'all need to be born again. That's the best I can do, sorry. (laughs) But all y'all, that's the importance of this. So what does that mean? It means not only the Jews, it means the Gentiles. It means that everybody coming to Christ, coming into the kingdom, must be born again. This means, by definition, all Christians... Are born again. To say, are you a born again Christian is redundant. It would be like saying, I'm a Christian Christian. So he says, Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is not about a certain place, it is about not a certain mountainside or a mountaintop or even heaven. And it's just not some future event. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is the reign of God in the past, the present, and the future for all time. And when you enter into the kingdom of God, it means you enter into his truth, his righteousness, his grace, his mercy, his wrath, his justice. His love. You enter into the kingdom of God. Now, this is different for a lot of people because a lot of people know about the kingdom of God, but they've never been born again. So Nicodemus, teacher of the law, right? He knew a lot about the law. He knew a lot about religious life. But Jesus said, knowing about isn't the same as entering into. Knowing about God, knowing about Jesus. Look, there's a lot of people who know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And you know, you get the distinction between knowing about and knowing. Look, growing up, I drove a stick shift. For those who are interested, I had a yellow Vega. Yeah. And I was really good at driving that car. And I got to the point where I could shift gears without the clutch. And it didn't grind. I could, yeah, because I knew that car really well. Now, because I had a stick shift growing up and I had a stick shift most of my adult life. Our daughter learned on a stick shift. Have any of you taught your children how to drive with a stick shift? does prayer come to mind? I had her sit in the driveway, right? And I would just with the car off and I just have her practice shifting. And she's like, dad. But one time we were driving and we were taking a left hand turn at an intersection And she was having a little trouble with the shifting and the gas. And there was a truck coming right at me, and it wasn't slowing down. And I was like, the gas, the gas, push the gas. But there came a point where she actually knows how to drive a stick shift. And the funny thing is, after all the arguments we had, she, she, she loves it now. But you got the distinction, right? There's a lot of people who know about Jesus but they've never been born again. So I'm going to say something now that might make some people uncomfortable. And it is this. Being born again precedes anything else in the Christian faith. Being born again precedes repentance, It precedes faith, it precedes belief, it precedes everything else. I know this is a tough thing to take in, but we're going to work our way through it. Because Jesus does not say, when you first take the step, then you can see the kingdom of God. He says, no, you must be born again before you can even see the kingdom of God. So let's go with it. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's a little bit of a word play going on here. You can either say born again, or you could also say born from above. So unless you are born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What Jesus is indicating here is that being born again is of God's work and his work alone. Now, I know this flies in the face of many our ideas of what it means to come to faith in Christ Jesus. I mean, after all, don't I first have to take the step of repenting? Don't I first have to say, I believe? Don't I have to ask Jesus into my heart? Don't I have to, don't I have to open up the door? Don't I have to take that first step? And the answer to all of this is no, 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 and no. In our study in Ephesians, we took a full hour talking about this, so that we would do it briefly here. I understand it's just the first part of this step. You see, what would lead you to faith unless you were born again? What would lead you to repentance unless you are born again? Again? See, the Bible is very clear that you and I are dead in our sins. Now, I have done a very famous drawing. Um, I, I, I'm going to show it on the screen. I'm thinking about maybe framing it because the artwork is so fantastic. You got the buildup, right? Most people think, yes, thank you very much. Thank you. It's on the whiteboard back there yet uh, in the Bible study room, in case you want to see the original artwork like the Mona Lisa. we'll just frame it. See, most people think that we are drowning, but not quite dead in our sins. We're on top of the water and we're reaching out to God and saying, God, help me, help me. And God reaches down and pulls us out. And most people think that that's what being saved is. That is you reaching out to God and God reaching down to you. But in fact, there's my other famous part of the drawing. We're at the bottom of the lake because we're dead in our sins. And I've said this before. What can a dead person do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So it is God who reaches down and takes this dead person and brings them to life. Being born again is an act of God's grace alone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Gospel of John. How are you made a child of God? not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, Paul writes about it. John writes about it. Peter also writes about it. You want to uh, note this. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And as we have talked about before, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of who? The power of God for salvation. It's all about God. Go back to our reading from Ezekiel. If you want to read that over again, it's not what Israel has done. It is what God has done. God is the one who by his grace saves us. And he saves us through Jesus Christ, who lived the life you and I should have lived and died the death you and I should die. And thus he took our sin upon him and bore the weight and paid the price for our sin. And thus, it's all for God's glory. That's why we sang that first song this morning. To God be the glory, great things he has done. That's the, there's the gospel message, right? Now, some of you might be wondering by this time, if you're following along, you might be going, hold on, what's my role in all of this? Because I know I think I'm supposed to do something, right? What's my role in being born again? Well, let me use an analogy. So, first of all, did any of you plan your own conception? If you did, let me know, because I want to know how that one worked. Okay, let me ask this. Did any of you plan your own birth? Look, if I'd planned my own birth, I would not have been born on the 4th of July. I was. That's my birthday, 4th of July. Because anybody who has a holiday birthday, it's not about them. It's about the holiday. I would have planned something different. But I didn't get a choice in my own birth, did I? Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you don't have a choice when you're born again. It's a work of God. Commentator R.C. Lenski put it this way. Jesus' word regarding the new birth shatters once for all every supposed excellence of man's attainment all merit of human deeds, all prerogatives of natural birth or station. Spiritual birth is something one undergoes, not something he produces. As our efforts had nothing to do with our natural conception and birth, so in an analogous way, but on a high far plane, regeneration is not a work of ours. So the highlight in there is spiritual birth is something one undergoes not something one produces. Last week, I talked about Paul on the road to Damascus, right? So he's on the road. Now, was he praying, Lord Jesus, come into my life? He wasn't doing any of that, was he? As a matter of fact, he was probably thinking, how many other Christians can I get those heretical members of the way? How many can I take out of their homes? How many can I extinguish because of this heresy that they are promoting? Remember, Saul, Paul, was a Pharisee, and he was a Pharisee's Pharisee. And so he was not saying, Jesus... I want to know who you are. But Jesus caused him to be born again. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There's the law. He dropped to his feet. He was blinded. And three days later, when he could see again, what did he see? He saw Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he was professing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Paul was born again, and it was not of his own will. This is about the sovereignty of God, and boy, you and I want to fight the sovereignty of God. By the way, regeneration. Regeneration is simply a word, and it's a biblical word. Regeneration is a word that is used to describe the new life in Christ. See, being a Christian is not a self-improvement plan. A lot of people want to join Christianity because they think they're going to get a better life, and they indeed might get a better life. Christianity is a transformative faith, a transformation from the old to the new, not just a gradual improvement. You go from the old Adam to the new self you are born again. So let's uh, take a look. Uh, in the reading today, we also add Titus, right? So in Titus chapter 3, listen to how, t- uh, how Paul is writing. He says how he was. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. By the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So when we say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's because you've been born again. You might not act like it all the time. As children, (laughs) just think about how you grew up as children, right? You weren't necessarily the angel all the time either. But you were born. Here you are born again. And this is all the power, all the work of God. And here's what it is. Here's the point. That you're being born again, your salvation is by God's grace alone. Period. Now, again, if you're like me, and if you're like Nicodemus at all, you might be gone. But how does that work? How does that work? How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And we're going to look at that next week. That's my cliffhanger. We're going to take a look at that next week. But I just want you to sit this week and marvel. Just marvel at the fact that any of us would be born again. Because it's all by God's grace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for the grace you have given us through your death and the resurrection. And we thank you that through the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ, in you, we are born again. Keep guiding us. Keep dragging us along as needed. Keep lifting us up. Draw us ever closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.